you know, I think we understand more and more that the the life webs that we're all that makes human beings happier and healthier. That there's things we need to do to to bring to acknowledge those life webs and do what we can do to um, oh, you know, just help it. Welcome to Home Green Homes podcast. I am Izumi Tanaka, a green home advisor and a green realtor. Here I invite a variety of experts in the world of green homes and have conversations about how we can all live in healthy, resilient, and efficient homes. My guests provide insight in a wide range of topics from designing, building, and living in green homes, purchasing or financing green homes and improvements, to how we can live to reduce the negative environmental impact from the way we live. My goal is to inspire and inform you about how we can make a difference in our own lives and our environment. Hello, this is Izumi Tanaka with Home Green Homes Podcast. Today, I have a very good friend of mine, and he is also a very avid gardener. And I am going to have him talk about what he's done to his beautiful home in West Adams in Los Angeles. And he can tell us all about what he's learned and what he's accomplished as a homeowner in Los Angeles. So Greg, thank you so much for coming here today. I am so you, grateful Julie. that you're spending your time with me. So tell me about the home that you have in West Adams and what it looked like when you first got it and what was your vision in, in your transformational project? Well, um, uh, again, hi everyone, my name is Greg. I, um, we've bought, the, my partner and I bought this house, I say, let's see, uh, it'll be 21 years. And wow. my vision for a house, we were talking about wanting to buy something and, you know, some people suggested, oh, buy a condo, buy this. And I, I knew at that point I was a frustrated gardener. In fact, I was so frustrated that around that same time when I was looking to buy a house, I started taking courses um, in horticulture and gardening just because I, I was I was living in a house. I was living in an apartment. I could not put my fingers into the, into the ground. Mm -hmm. And I just started taking classes as a way to just sort of satisfy my, my need to be a gardener. Um, which led to, as I learned more and more, I decided to become a certificated horticulturalist and garden designer through the UCLA Extension Program. Mm -hmm. And that, again, at first was just satisfying my need to be around fellow gardeners and go do stuff. And it also inspired when we started looking simultaneously to buy a place for us to live in, that I said, I, that was a criteria. I needed a garden. I needed I needed space. I needed dirt. Um, and, you know, the our budget at the time, I lived by the, I lived in the beach at the time. I loved the beach. I loved Venice. Hey, <laughs> but it wasn't realistic. It wasn't a place for me to, to, um, that we could afford. So mm -hmm. that's why another friend suggested looking at the West Adams area. This was 20, uh, we started looking, I guess, 22 years ago. Mm -hmm. And, um, we took several, it took some time. Of course, was I thinking about green at the time? Not really, Zumi. Don't, don't, don't be mad at me, but I was, <laughs> but I was thinking about affordability and, and something that, 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 that made us happy or made me happy, mm -hmm. right? It had potential mm -hmm. for a garden. And we did find a 1908 arts and crafts bungalow that had, as our realtor said, had 60 years deferred maintenance on the house. Um, so it was, but but during, I know this is about home. So when we had our um, inspection done, you know, I was with there at the inspector and saying, you know, tell me about this house, tell me about this house. And he looked at me and he said, dude, this house has been around for a hundred years. It has withstood 
almost anything that could come its way. And he said, by the way, you have, now I don't know all the terms, but he said a lot of the, a lot of the hidden beams of the house, the structure, he said, it's redwood. He said, this house was built, can I, can I swear? This house was built like a shit brick house, like a box. <laughs> he said, this is the reality of how they were building homes mm -hmm. you know, hundred years ago. Right. Um, and he said, it's just a good, basic, solid house. And I have a picture of it in, in a few minutes, the before and after. And, and that was, of course, was the first thing was like, okay, we got that. Yeah. I, I mean, that, that made my partner happy. My dad, who is in um, real estate, made him happy. Um, you know, that's for, for our first investment kind of stuff. But I was looking at the gardens. The front yard was crabgrass. Mm -hmm. And I thought, I can work with that. I, I saw <laughs> the potential. I saw the potential. Yeah. The backyard was, I think there's a, there's a few perimeter trees and a lemon tree and, and, and a lot of concrete. There's a lot of concrete. Mm -hmm. That's wow. just the aesthetic over the years of how people wanted to keep things simple. Um, again, shifting back at the same time we're buying this house, I was going through this. At the time, it was it was a really good um, series of courses. It was a three-year program to become a certificated horticulturalist and garden designer through the extension program. But one person taught a class in California Natives. It wasn't as uh, it was not on people's radar screen quite the same way it is now. But I was I was really fortunate to take this class, and she was um, gosh her name was Elizabeth, um, and she passed away. That's why I'm forgetting her name. I haven't stayed in contact with her because she passed away. Elizabeth, gosh, I'm gonna people know this. She was she 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 did a lot of work at Theodore Payne, mm -hmm. and she was such an inspiration. Elizabeth Schwartz, I believe, was her name, and she was the first person to really talk about California natives and why, and it was. We weren't talking about water so much. I mean, you know, we had our issues 20 years ago, but not like, like not, not like now. And I just was entranced. Like I thought, this is amazing. And she gave me, you'll see in the front, you'll see one of the photos, she gave me a little potted plant that has over the decades has reseeded itself again and again and again in the front yard and is a great uh pollinator for certain kinds of native butterflies. Mm -hmm. And that just started my journey, really, about so now I, I had the front yard, I had the crabgrass. Um, and I had some visions, I had some design visions, but I also thought, well, what do I want to put in there? I will say my first plant choices were more, as we used to call them, Mediterranean plants, mm -hmm. low water plants, um, plants that grew well in Los Angeles. But the, the shift over the years has been more and more taking out anything that's not native. Mm -hmm. And native can be, you know, the entire California floristic, which is yeah. anything in California. Yeah. Or as some of my friends do, they really, I live in the LA um, uh, basin. So it's sort of a, it's not quite chaparral. It's not quite coastal sage. Some would say where I live probably used to be grasslands. Mm. Izumi, where I live, there used to be the, the LA River before it was channeled. It yeah. used to come through my area mm. seasonally and create rivulets and create little ponds and create this sort of marshy area that would dry up, of course, during the summer. Right. One of those classes, I had to do soil samples where I lived. I live... I could find within one area, I have places where it's so heavy with clay soil that mm -hmm. I can throw a pot. And maybe a yard or two away, it can be really sandy, like a really rivulet of sand. Mm -hmm. So I have, it was it was a riparian, <laughs> it was a riparian um, piece of land 120 years ago. Right. I was told about flood insurance when I bought the house. He said, I don't think so. Maybe I'm a fool for that. But, but anyways, there's, this was what LA looked like. Mm -hmm. 120, 150 years ago. Um, and I, over the years, I wanted more and more to, to honor the plant material of that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. 
and I started planting things. And of course, they're growing like weeds. Why? Because right soil, right temperature, right composition of, of sunlight and water and nutrients. But I've also started to shift more and more to plants that actually might have been seen where I actually live. More or less. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not a zealot. At least mm, not. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So it's been, it's been a journey. It's been an evolution. And as you'll see, I also took a class, I don't know, five years ago, six years ago, on not only the plants, but think about what else is going on. If you're going to do all these native plants, mm -hmm. the good thing is you're going to start getting a lot of native wildlife with birds, bees, insects, reptiles, mammals. Yeah. Talk about that. But it's like, and this is a this is a restorative issue. This is to bring mm -hmm. something back that mm -hmm. LA has unintentionally perhaps got rid of. Yeah. Well, then without further ado, okay, let's know. see what you got. Okay, let's see. I can yes. So this is a this is actually a slideshow. I, I I keep taking when I have the chance to take classes. So this is a, a class I took on uh, mm -hmm. on uh, being a California naturalist. So mm -hmm. I did this. So I hope it works for our purposes as well. So I call it restorative gardening. This is the book that I already mentioned. Um, uh, Professor uh, Ptolemy came to the um, Theodore Payne Foundation, which most people, if they know California natives, know they're they're the top yeah, place to go for Los Angeles. Let's mention the name of the book for the audio audience. Oh, sure. It's called Bringing yeah. Nature Home, mm -hmm. uh, How You Can Sustain Wildlife with Native Plants by uh, Professor Douglas W. Ptolemy. Mm -hmm. he, he's actually located in Delaware. So he, when you oh, read wow. his book, the content of the plant material and the animals, the bugs, the insects are all there. But his point is, this is happening across the nation, that a lot mm -hmm. of urbanization and agriculture is really causing havoc with native wildlife. Mm -hmm. And he really thinks that, yeah, national parks are important. This is all good. But he thinks that actually our native front, our, our, our suburban front yards, our suburban backyards are actually going to be in a really important piece in helping native wildlife. Yeah. So that's the book. Um, I, the, the, the slide says food desert. And what I want to show are uh, my neighbors. You can see these, uh, I guess as architects, they would say these are arts and crafts transitional homes, that they're not purely arts and crafts. They have some um, signifiers of uh, Victoriana, as you know, mm -hmm. as LA was, I am just west of Western. Right. So like when the first homes built in the new, this probably was at one point bean fields. And before that, it was probably just uh, native, truly native. Mm -hmm. So it's 1908, things are sh shifting. You have the arts and crafts sort of like stockiness with some I'm told, right. Victorian touches. One neighbor, very traditional, which I think many of us would can say, this is a yard that many of us would have grown up in, with uh, a, a green lawn in the front, trimmed um, foundational plants. Right. I, I mean, a lot of people say, this looks great. This is great. <laughs> it, it, has a, it has a green appeal. Mm -hmm. It's just when you look at it, you don't see many butterflies. There's not a lot of native wildlife that can do right. much with this. This is a food desert. Mm -hmm. Other side, here's... Um, a house that this is the 1950s house so it looks it's not uh, it's not historical but they did something i think aesthetically that's really pretty there's strelitzia there's the um there's ice plant there's uh there's um bird of paradise there's some mm -hmm. um, asparagus ferns you do see some grasses that were trimmed right here because the time i took it that they are not native grasses you see orange i mean the color the color palette is bold and beautiful and right. it's still a food desert mm -hmm. very few of our bugs of our insects of our birds have evolved to eat anything here. It's pleasing to our eye, mm -hmm. but it's still it's still being considered a food desert. Right. Here's a photo of my house. Uh, I think a few months after we purchased it, you can see at the time. It, I mean, this is a arts and crafts with some with some Victorian sort of like touches here and there. 
uh, Victoriana. Um, very, I've been pulling stuff out. I got a rototiller. I, I dug up the crabgrass. I just pretty much tried to get rid of everything. And you see me with a neighbor building an arbor. I had a vision, Izumi. Yeah. I had a vision, very small front yard, but I wanted to create a somewhat of a public space and a private space that mm -hmm. I had to go to this arbor with. Mm -hmm. um, here's neighbors looking at me going like, what are you guys doing? But anyways, it was it was a lot of fun. And put, as you can see, <laughs> I got, um, at the time, I was able to get a truckload, I mean, a truckload of mulch from the city. And mm -hmm. I just put it on the front. You can see it. It's about 12 to 18 inches of mulch that I put down. Mm -hmm. initially. Yeah, it looks pretty deep. These were techniques, of course, I learned from um, all my gardening stuff. Um, just to sort of, for a native garden, you don't need so much amending of the soil, but I wanted to do a lot of weed suppression and just get things sort of going. I see. So I planted a tree there that's no longer there. It wasn't quite the right fit, but anyways. So here is when we first moved in. Here is uh, what the house looks like. Oh, how beautiful. I think I took this photo about five years ago. Mm -hmm. um, obviously, the house was painted. Um, you see the trellises there with a mm -hmm. California native grape vine growing mm -hmm. on it, Rogers mm -hmm. Red, which actually mm -hmm. does have little like champagne looking grapes grow on it for all the wildlife wow. or neighbors who want to come by. Um, and you start seeing a variety of native plants. And, and as I mentioned to you before, Izumi, I, I, I wanted to grow plants that would just grow fairly easily in the LA basin. Mm -hmm. Some of my friends are saying, you know, you might want to start thinking about proactively putting some plants in there that more come from the California deserts going like, mm -hmm. if this, if we take climate change seriously, which most of us do, you got to start thinking about putting plants in here that could actually handle even lower water. So you see yeah. a Parkinsonia here, you see giant um, uh, agaves mm -hmm. that are not from LA basin, but they are actually more, and they're thriving, of course. Mm -hmm. um, these are more from the California deserts. But a lot yeah. of what you see here is... Um, now here's the here's the things it's like on one hand i'm trying to do i'm trying to do things that are native for the reasons that we're alluding to for wildlife mm -hmm. or to create an oasis in this food desert for birds and butterflies and bees and all sorts of other critters to have a place to 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 exist yeah but I'm also, you know, I'm trying to also i was trained with some of the aesthetics of like making things also look somewhat good to the human eye so that's why i have as you'll see, hopefully I've done it, but I've, it's it's probably a little more jam packed than you see in the wild. But it's sort of like bringing in more color form in a, in a very small, yeah, in a very small. Very pretty. So I see some um, poppies in this picture and some, poppies, um, some sage. Got some sage. Mm -hmm. You have a I'll I'll show you a few Purple. more things as we go mm -hmm. closer in mm -hmm. um, under the title of Let's Eat, not for us. Again, I, <laughs> I have a grapevine there, but the front yard is more oriented towards the the wildlife. Mm -hmm. So here's a picture of poppies and penstemon, mm -hmm. um, which is, of course, and I, I mentioned I bought a, uh, a packet of poppy seeds mm -hmm. from Theodore Payne 21 years ago. And I sprinkled it out there mm -hmm. in the wintertime. And so everything you're seeing, I've never put any more poppy seeds out in the front. Everything you're seeing is things that are just every year, some years more, some years less, rain years, bright rain, mm -hmm. I get a lot more poppies when it's more mm -hmm. droughty, fewer, yeah. but every year something comes back and they self-sow, re-sow. There's a butterfly there. Um, now this, I will say, you're, you're seeing this on a uh, Pride of Madeira or an Echium. This was my, part of my, this was a Mediterranean plant from evolved in Portugal area. Mm, it grows really well here, but it's not native. Yeah. And I, over the years, I've sort of taken it out, but the enough bugs and things, uh, butterflies still like it. Mm. Here you see a variety of uh, plant materials. Mm -hmm. Of course the poppies. Are right there, the penstemon that is a California native. 
here you're seeing um, what they call it California lilac mm -hmm. or Um, You see the echim in the back. Right. Some um, um, manzanita in the lower left. If you see that, you can see a small little. Um, uh, 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 oh boy, my, I like where my brain goes. It, it, <laughs> it will come back to me. It's a red shoot. Whoa. Um, <laughs> I hate when my brain does that. But it is. <laughs> But it's a little tree that you'll—it's been growing and growing, and and it will occur to me as soon as this is done. Mm -hmm. But this has—it's deciduous, and it has this beautiful, beautiful, vivid purple flowers on it, and it grows mm -hmm. great without much water. It is uh, not a dogwood. I'm sorry, it'll come to me. Yeah. Now here, I want to show yeah, you. Yeah, look this at is, that with poppies. You can see you can see where that on the right hand side of the slide you can see the base of the um, trellis. Mm -hmm. So from the trellis to the sidewalk is a, I call it, again, this is a small garden, but a public garden, mm -hmm. a lot of material where there's birds living in there, butterflies, mm -hmm. lizards, there's all sorts of wildlife in there. Mm -hmm. But as you walk along that pathway to the front door, I purposely kept this part more, to call it a meadow, it's just being, yeah. it's just, and here's the poppies, this is after a really good uh, rain year, Yeah. the whole blanketing of poppies, mm -hmm. which lasts about two months and I know you asked me do I ever water this the, right. front, yard, the, the front yard could live a hundred percent on on rain like that's it even during these last few years of drought they they still come out and bloom here's, here's the thing it's like I, I actually read something today in the LA Times an editorial um I, I sort of disagree with him but his point is fairly well taken um someone opined that yeah California natives are great to grow but even right now they're hard to establish because of the lack mm -hmm. of rain Mm -hmm. They are, when you're first putting the little plants in, the best time to plant is now through, well, like now, <laughs> now, <laughs> now um, through early um, winter time, hoping that we do get more rains. Right. It's just easier for them to establish. Yeah. But if it's a hot summer, you need to go up there and do a little bit of watering to get a plant right. established. Most, right. most of these plants are established. They might look like, they might look like, they might be really desiccated during a really hot summer. Yeah. But they'll survive. But I also try to grow things that stay green no matter what, like this mm -hmm. um, this uh, California grape. No matter, I mean, those roots go down so deep mm -hmm. that they don't need, once established, they are prolific and green and they don't need anything. These poppies, I think I mentioned that if I want to extend the poppy season, I might hand water if it's a particularly dry spring. Right, right. But they'll come back and they're not, yeah. you know, they're, they're ephemerals. They're, they're only supposed to be annuals, but they will recede right. and come back. Uh, uh, with more, but no, the the front yard, I don't have any irrigation. I don't have, but if I'm establishing a new plant, like I might mm -hmm. go out with the hose or something and like yeah. do a little bit of watering, right. supplementary right. drink. Yeah. Right. But once they're established, yeah, yeah mm -hmm. no, no, they're, they're fine. So I want to, I want to pause here for a minute and go yeah. back just to uh, go back to where you started. You, I, I, we saw that you put some deep uh, uh, mulch, right. you know, when you first started, did you actually till the soil that was there and did you do anything to to you make want, the soil more um, live, so to you speak? Want the, you want my truth, right? You want the truth. Yes, so, I, I want I, your truth. <laughs> I, 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 this is before I had taken, we purchased this house. Right, I hadn't quite gotten as far along with all of my studies mm -hmm. um, and knowledge of working with uh, with natives. Mm -hmm. Yes. I mean, now I say that I, with shame. I rototillered. I went out there and dug things up. Dum, dum, mm -hmm. dum, dum, dum. Because all I was doing mm -hmm. was rototilling bits mm -hmm. pieces of, of especially crabgrass mm -hmm. yeah you know, just breaking it up and making it more prolific mm -hmm. um, 
more and more, especially for native gardens, I'll just stick with mm -hmm. native gardens. It's like, you, mm -hmm. I wouldn't have done that. I might have, you can do a variety of things for weed suppression. You can, of course, go up there and pull them, pull them by hand. Right. Some talk about the lasagna. Have you heard of the, the lasagna method? No, yeah. no. I did not do that, but I've seen people do it. You get big sheets of cardboard that you're going to throw out anyways. Right. Mm -hmm. I have seen that actually. Or, yeah. or if you're if you're one of those people who still got the the times delivered, you hold on to like you just you just get <laughs> lots and lots and lots of um, newspaper, hoping mm -hmm. that the that the ink that they use is now biodegradable, and you just go out and let you don't you wouldn't disrupt the soil as much. Right. You just layer things for like a six months to sort of smother the weeds. Mm -hmm. And like I said, California natives they don't need a lot of they don't want rich soils. They they mm. evolve with our fairly lean, organically speaking, mm -hmm. soils in the LA basin. Mm -hmm. So, but I did put that mulch. I've only done it really like one time did I put that mulch in, and it's all gone mm -hmm. away. Every mm -hmm. now and then, I might go in if I do a new planting. I might put a bit more mulch in. Right. But I, don't, I don't fertilize. I don't put hum. I don't put compost out in the front yard. Like people. Oh really? Compost is is an amazing thing. Mm -hmm. compost if you're going to grow veggies mm -hmm. if you're going to grow things that are not native to california compost right. creates too much too much organic material in the in the in the soil it's california natives oh. would not like it it actually can cause problems and interesting uh, i did not natives, know that. at least mm -hmm. let me talk about the california natives that i'm growing um, right right for natives of the la basin they evolved mm -hmm. in fairly non-rich soils right non-organic soil so don't I see. I like being a lazy gardener, Izumi. Trust me, I put a lot of work to get this prepared. Trust me. Right. Yes. <laughs> but using using these plant material, they need they need tending. They need some trimming. Um, mm -hmm. Occasionally, some water. No mm -hmm. pesticides. Mm -hmm. No herbicides. Mm -hmm. No fertilizers. And you get something that looks like this. It's, this is not a year round garden, but this is a early spring, late winter garden, which is just. Yeah. I think it's just a nice, a nice splash when the rest of the world is looking a little drab still in Los Angeles. I agree. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But right, I, I I worked too hard. I mean, I should not have, I should not have gotten a rototiller. I should not have done all those things. I, I didn't need to do that. I could have just let nature do, its work and layer, yeah. smother the weeds. Go and I still have to go sometimes and pull weeds out by hand. But it's nothing like when I moved in. I mean, it was mm. it was pretty much a crabgrass um, front yard. So you're saying that rather than tilling the soil that that was there you could have just done the weed abatement mm -hmm. tilling the soil it, I, I, I can't maybe for other i've even heard people when it comes to vegetables they used to talk yeah. about the soil now they're saying no don't don't, right. don't mess with the the soil microbiota the soil mm -hmm. there's a lot of things going on in a healthy mm -hmm. soil that when you mm -hmm. till it you actually interfere with it right so even in areas where you want to grow like more um, flowers or vegetables that do need a lot mm -hmm. more nutrition, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. give yourself some time, mm -hmm. do a lot of layering. You, there you can put not for mm -hmm. California, not for California plants, but for other higher things that do not evolve here in Los Angeles mm -hmm. or California. Mm -hmm. You can put a layer of compost. Right. Not, not don't till it. Just put you know pull up the weeds, pull up a nice layer of compost from the mm -hmm. from your compost pile that you purchased. Mm -hmm. Over mm -hmm. that, put a nice layer of mulch. Mm -hmm. and could be, you know, I, my hands are like, it could be 12 to 18 inches. Right. Do that in the fall. Leave it alone. Yeah. And as things, let the let the bugs, let the worms right, let right. just do the work for you and bring right. all that nutrition down into the soil. Right. I knew I wanted to do more things in the front yard. I wanted to be a welcoming place for mm -hmm. um, for the neighbors. 
-hmm. first I was, first been like what is this fool doing out there <laughs> like, like, like like these little baby plants and they That's were right. neighbors would walk by and say like no lawn I said no lawn really no lawn no lawn <laughs> they, were, they were they were older and they sort of right. they had a different idea mm -hmm. of what a mm -hmm. home should look like they, they did not right. complain yeah their credit they did not stop me they did not complain right but they were a little they didn't understand but after right. a few years they said greg it's beautiful I and mean, they really they've been very complimentary oh, as people walk by and they mm -hmm. see they see the flowers and the butterflies and they like mm -hmm. that but i'm not except for that uh, native grape which does have grapes there's no um I'm not growing any human food per se. I here. see. Mm -hmm. Backyard, I have I planted a persimmon tree recently. Oh yes. I grow tomatoes, mm -hmm. them in, in raised beds. I I it's a combination of natives and other plants that I just want to grow. Like I want right. to do this. So I have shady places where I'm growing some native ferns, but mm -hmm. also some ferns that are like I pick and choose my battles in my backyard based upon my backyard is where I spend more time hanging out. My front yard is it is not a it's, it's a it's a that's public a community place. space right it's create. a public space so i have mm -hmm. my backyard has a variety of things going on mm -hmm. i think that's a big contribution for your community that you created this garden that people can come and enjoy i hope so and, and you know you can inspire other neighbors um but it's also the community have... it's also but i want to say the community of also the I mean, sometimes when i during the pandemic here's the good mm -hmm. news about the pandemic for me mm -hmm. i was able to sit on my front porch and just watch what happens in my front yard like really yeah. i had the time yeah, and I was amazed to zoom in, not only to see people walk by and, right. and them, but I saw the butterflies. I saw right. the birds. I I thought mm -hmm. I had no idea. I would. Mm -hmm. I was that guy who would you know travel mm -hmm. places to see all this. I said, "Oh my gosh, it's happening here! I don't have to get in my gas <laughs> car and go for a beautiful hike. I right. I can just sit on my front porch and see it's happening here. It's pretty amazing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it is amazing. Do you have any more pictures on this slide? Let me see. Oh, let's make babies. Let's make yeah, babies. Yeah. <laughs> Again, this is on the Ceanothus. You can see this 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 woven spider web packet. Mm -hmm. um, it's a little fuzzy, but you can see babies are being made in my front yard. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I just I put some uh to put some water here. Um, as I mentioned though, as pretty as this is, it's a sort of an elevated bowl of water. This mm -hmm. isn't really I need to take this out and put, I'm told it, for a lot of critters, if they get to the water and they fall in, they drown. Oh, a shallow, um, like not a pond, but like a shallow, like a sh I guess, sure, a shallow. A bird bath. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's not that critters can walk in, mm -hmm. walk out if they need to. So right. uh, it's good to have a little bit of water for them. Mm -hmm. And again, this is a picture of my more California desert, uh, Parkinsonia, mm -hmm. the aloe, excuse me, the uh, agave. Agave. There's a budley over there. That's um, these are things that are evolved more for the even drier. Mm -hmm. than it used to be and i'm sort of hedging my bets like i don't know what's going to happen so right well yeah. we see a lot of agape plants agave plants in a lot of los angeles neighborhood as right. being you know absolutely so-called drought tolerant they are very droughts they're very mm -hmm. yeah they're not exactly they're a little different their strategy is a little different but they're they're, they're doing they're thriving i mean they're, they're mm -hmm. thriving ups. Yes. here is what normally would be like this horrible sort of like parking strip like just this sort of <laughs> dead zone and yeah. here and that that um, I wish I can't remember that uh, silver looking plant is the plant that Elizabeth Schwartz gave me. I went in the mm -hmm. contest 20 some years mm -hmm. ago mm -hmm. and it just keeps coming back, resows itself. And it, it's a great um, uh, uh, it's a great source of pollen for I wish mm -hmm. I remember moths and butterflies. It was mm -hmm. this is all it's just I, it looks like this right now, Zumi. But right during the minute, a lot of the year, it's just it's mm -hmm. not so pretty. So that is a, yeah. that's perhaps a downside of this or. 
I need to be more thoughtful to plant things that also have some green interest year round. Right. Right. This is this is to my eye very pretty, mm -hmm. but it's not a year round phenomenon. So it takes a little, that's part of the gardening. That's part of the. It helps to have someone like I've taken advantage of learning how to create more year round interest. And it's mm -hmm. not I see. I see. And I think that was. Uh, this is just a quote from the book. I don't know if you want me to read it or not, if there's time. Yes, please. Let's read it. This is again, this is not me. This is um, from Ptolemy. Um, As development and habitat destruction accelerate, there are increasing pressures on wildlife populations. In bringing nature home, Douglas Ptolemy reveals the unbreakable link between native plant species and native wildlife. Native, inse native insects cannot or will not eat alien plants. Uh. Native plants disappear, the insects disappear, impoverishing the food source for birds and other animals. But there is an important and simple step we can all take to help reverse this alarming trend. Everyone with access to a patch of earth can make a significant contribution towards sustaining biodiversity by simply choosing native plants, native plants that area. Mm -hmm. So this this is really part of my inspiration about what I right. what I'm doing. Mm -hmm. There's all sorts of good reasons to do natives. Less water, it's easier, lazy gardener. Mm -hmm. uh, but there's this piece that I call restorative justice or mm -hmm it's just yeah just, indeed yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so so greg i know you mentioned that you took courses yeah. um you are uh you are a homeowner that i uh, i am having you on my podcast so you are not currently providing service as a de no. garden designer or consultant right no i i'm i'm, I'm happy today to just to 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 share what i have done from again mm -hmm. my classes mm -hmm. what have i done i've taken what well, three I, just, I ever have a midlife crisis <laughs> <laughs> But I had a midlife crisis and I was deciding, do I want to leave my first career or go into garden design? And that's mm -hmm. why I did the three-year program at UCLA mm -hmm. Extension. It's a great program, mm -hmm. by the way. Mm -hmm. um, but after three years, I loved it, Izumi. I loved it. I said, mm -hmm. I don't want to do this for a living. Yeah. That's okay. <laughs> yeah. But I, I felt to bring all that knowledge into uh, what I do here. And people sometimes have said, would you like to design my garden? I said, no. However, what I've realized is when friends ask, I said, I'd be happy to teach you how to do this. Yeah, I'm an educator, as you know, by profession. Mm -hmm. So I realized I don't want to do it for you. I'll, I'll be happy to just pass what I've learned and 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 have people. I'll give advice. I'll consult. I'll teach them. So far, a few people want that. They know, Greg. Yeah, I want you to do it for me. I said, I don't want to. Yeah, I, I, <laughs> but I. But yeah. So through something like this, it's it, Elizabeth Schwartz. I mean, she was wonderful to teach to start teaching me about natives. She's. On, I went with her on a field trip to Theodore Payne you know, twenty mm -hmm. years ago. Mm -hmm. And to start learning about that, and I've taken courses now at Theodore Payne itself. Mm -hmm. um, I'm taking. I became. I took a class with the California naturalists. Mm -hmm. I, I just. It's just. We live in this amazing state, right? That. Mm -hmm. That there's so much to know about California that we don't have to import from other areas. I just. Right. Yeah. Here. So you mentioned a few resources. Um, since you're not providing offering services, uh, but what yeah, uh, what resources can you recommend? You mentioned UCLA Extension, Theodore Payne. Theodore Payne. Those are if you want to learn how to do how to design a, a garden. And this is not. They have a landscape architecture pro, uh, program there also. For those of right. you who want to learn, what's the difference? Um, Okay, I went. I, I did a class with the landscape architecture program. He took us out onto the UCLA campus um, after mm -hmm. a class. I said, "Look at the trees. Look how they're placed. Look what your eye does. Look how the form, the function. Like, what is this? Why is this tree here? What does it do for us as humans? It creates shade. It creates beauty. Yeah. It creates. Yeah. It allows your eye to go up that tree. I mean, he talked about the form and function of a tree. Mm -hmm. I took 
the next semester, I took a class with my program, which talks about how to grow healthy plants. She took us out to the same spot and she said, what do you see? Look at these trees. Look how poorly planted they are. Look how distressed they are. Look how they're not happy. <laughs> I'm just laughing going like, I don't want to make that. There's more to it than landscape architecture mm -hmm. and yeah. gardening, but one is more interested in form and functions. One's more interested in growing healthy plants. They both come together in how to eventually grow healthy plants mm -hmm. in an aesthetically pleasing way for, mm -hmm. for whether you're landscaping for a corporation right. or for a home garden. Right. So I'm, right. I'm, I'm leaning more towards healthy plants, but I'm working still on trying to create an aesthetic that looks, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I, want, I want me and my, I want myself and my neighbors to walk by and go like, oh, that looks nice. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Anyway. yeah. So is there any more visions for you that in, for your front, like you said that you want your neighbors to come by and say, oh, how beautiful. Um, and, and you are growing some food in the backyard. Right. So what is your bigger vision about this for your home? For, for me or for my home? For my home, it's, gosh, Izumi, one thing, you know, I'll say by myself, I don't know where I got this idea. It's like, I wanted to do it like one and done. Like I want to do it once. <laughs> and I don't know, like any gardener worth their, any experienced gardener says like, dude, that's just not the way it works. That's, yeah, that's been taking me some time. Like I said, I did pull out more of the non-native Mediterraneans mm -hmm. and putting in more California natives in. Mm -hmm. um, the front yard is always like editing. Things get old. Things need or change. You know, I, I learn mm -hmm. more like, but I don't know. It's, it's, it's always, but I can also leave it alone. The, the good yeah. thing, I can leave it alone and it'll right. do what I want it to do. It looks right. pretty enough. Mm -hmm. and it's doing this amazing function for the wildlife and that yeah yeah backyard i'm playing more around with at times because that's where i might have we have a place to have dinner a place to hang out um mm -hmm. there's more human activity if you will in my mm -hmm. backyard and mm -hmm. i i'm trying to grow persimmons i'm growing lemons mm -hmm. um, sometimes tomatoes during the summertime and i have a pond in the backyard where the raccoon oh i, I have to say this remember i said there's all these right. it's, it's all this good stuff <laughs> but I want to be honest. I, I again, I was a little naive. So in the backyard in particular, yeah, wildlife has found my backyard. <laughs> Butterflies, sure. Bees, birds. It's amazing. But so have opossums. So have <laughs> raccoons. So have, and it's all of a sudden these raccoons. It's like, oh my gosh, they are they are something. They are. <laughs> they take little laps in my. Have this little ornamental pond, and they think it's great for the night <laughs> to do. take laps, and they throw out all of the. Um, plants that I have there and they looking for I think the goldfish are long gone oh uh, gosh the mosquito fish have survived this is good um so it's like you know I thought like I had to like really check myself Azumi. I think like you don't if you're if you invite wildlife yeah you can't pick and choose you so know? what do you, what's the what's your remedy what what have you come have you come to any solution how to deal with that I you know I looked up what to do about how to keep raccoons and it's like and it's like they said they said either take away the things that attract them, meaning oh, water features, right. or just live with it. And I'm right. so far deciding to, uh, we no longer have a dog. I right. think uh -huh. pretty, my, our dog passed away. So, you know, it was like, I thought like, maybe I won't get a dog or for the backyard because dogs and raccoons are not a good, raccoons are not a good dog, so. <laughs> Yes. And I sort of like right now I'm, I'm making um, spiritual practice. I'm, yes. I'm making peace. Like if I'm inviting them, mm -hmm. Not too far from where I live, there have been coyotes uh, sightings. Right. I'm not mm -hmm. freaked out by coyotes. Our our cats are indoor cats. Mm -hmm. As far as I know, coyotes have not leaped over fences to get into my backyard. Mm -hmm. um, so I don't have you know, I don't have these so like apex predators, if you will. But right. uh, 
opossums are cute as can be. <laughs> I, I want to say, I got to say, raccoons are so adorable, except as you yes. watch them just tear through stuff, it's like, <laughs> I don't want to mess with them. So, right. So you're living with I, them. I've said I could Peacefully. get, I could buy um, cougar, I think wild, like puma pee. I go like, <laughs> I'm not, I mean, I some people, I read online, you can do all these things to try to keep, and I so far have said, I'm, I'm just making peace with it. I'm, I think that's a good answer. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. And if they eat all my, I haven't had persimmons yet. Like my, my tree is still young. Mm -hmm. You and I've talked about this. I mean, I think yes. your, your dad grew persimmons, right? Yeah, eight years. And I, I, if I, you know what? I will tell you in time from now, if, if, if I don't get any persimmon fruit, I, I'll, I'll have to think about that. <laughs> okay. It is, that is something to be realistic about. Like, yeah. It can look, a native garden can look a little bare bones during the summer, unless you put yeah. some extra thought into what you plant. I think that's mm -hmm. a, that's a simple solution. Yeah. When you do a native garden, you're inviting wildlife, right. which is what we want. But sometimes mm -hmm. you also have wildlife coming in that go like, wait a minute, I didn't bargain yeah. for this. And that's, yeah. 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 Well, great. Thank you so much, Greg, for all this inspiring story. Well, Zoomy, well, what you're doing inspires me, you know that. So I think Thank this you. is is my house a green home well maybe one day you'll make you help me make the home itself greener but i know i feel good about my for me yeah. when, I say, when i say a home i think of the mm -hmm. structure exactly i think of the of the, right. the, the whole the whole, the the whole thing yeah mm -hmm. it's the whole place great well thank you so much greg thank, thank you for Izumi. your time this is wonderful this was, this was izumi tanaka with home green homes until my next episode thank you mm -hmm.